Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. I think that the Bulls should be applauded for making the change. And I also think people need to understand that John Paxson was the one that was pushing for this. And, you know, he'll have some role in the organization. We don't know what that is. But my understanding is is that he is not going to be the guy looking over current service's shoulder criticizing everything and anything he does. If Karnasovas asks him for his opinion, he's going to give it. But otherwise, now he's turning over the reins and he's going to allow Karnasovas to do his job to bring in the people he wants. And that way, if this thing doesn't work out, it's one guy's responsibility and one guy's only. That's Will Purdue, former Bull. See him on NBC Sports Chicago in a Bulls pregame, halftime, postgame. Hear him on the score regularly, a man with thoughts. And in an ideal world, he's right. That new Bulls man in charge is actually the man in charge and doesn't have someone lording over him or looking over his shoulder or anybody that he's got to please except go to the go to Michael Reinsdorf and say, this is what I'm doing and not have to run it through anybody else. Welcome in, welcome back. I'm Steve Rosenblum. He's Mark Grody. This is Saturday Suckage. We go to the Alpamonte Ford hotline. Joining us on the Alpamonte Ford hotline, Alpamonte Ford in Melrose Park from NBC Sports Chicago is Rob Schaefer. Rob, thank you for joining us today. Appreciate it. Yeah, hey, Steve. Hey, Mark. Uh, It's good to be with you guys. So you've written... You've written quite well, quite extensively in educating the crowd on some of the things that our tourist Karnashovas, or as Mark prefers to call them, Showtime. He just shortened it. We, so we do have a nickname? Yeah. We do. Well, yeah, I think you have, to, you have to say Karna, Karna Showtime because I looked it up. There's another organization which has identified with Showtime in the past. <laughs> uh, yeah, I have heard of them. <laughs> <laughs> so... So share with the class in, in running down what he has, what would be on his um, resume, what would what would be on his um, job application of what you've accomplished, what you did since he joined the Nuggets in 2013, and at the top of your list, drafted and retained Nikola Jokic at number 41. So share with the class, explain why that's at the top of your list. As obvious as it might sound, I think it's important to to delineate. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think a big part of that is uh, is obviously what Jokic has become, which is one of the best 
two or three centers in the NBA, uh, a guy that finished, uh, I think, fourth in MVP voting last year and was either first or second team All-NBA. I think that's a big part of it. And uh, the biggest part of it is at the time, he was a relative unknown. Um, you know, the Denver's front office is, uh, is famously known as being pretty collaborative. So it's difficult to delineate exactly, you know, who gets responsibility for which pick, which late round find. But uh, the more you read into uh, Karnishevas' history uh, and the way that the Nuggets front office works, um, he is widely, you know, credited uh, for that find, for going out and finding him. And, and I think we can even get deeper into, into his resume and his history uh, as an international player. He had a pretty decorated career overseas. Uh, he's born in Lithuania. Um, and, you know, the one thing you hear about him is that any gym around the world he walks into, he's recognizable and, and he's instantly respected. Um, so that international scouting is a huge, huge part of how he got started and what he brings to the table. Uh, and that obviously came to fruition with the Jokic pick. It's panned out beautifully. And, yeah, key to all that is you find him, you develop him, which is something the Bulls uh, have struggled to do in recent years. I think that's another big thing he brings to the table. Uh, and then you retain him. Um, so those those are all that, – that is, I think, the first thing that gets brought up when you talk about him, uh, and with good reason – but there's obviously a lot of other things that go into him being one of the more well-respected veteran execs in the league right now. How will uh, Karnaschovas act on, on the Bulls, as in how quickly will he begin to change things, alter the direction of the Bulls, or is this going to be a guy that with whom will require patience for Bulls fans? Yeah, I, I think when we talk about the organizational turnaround and the, the, the facelift of the, the organization's image league-wide, I think those are things uh, fans and all of us are going to have to have patience on because, you know, as anyone who's observed the Bulls closely over the last few years knows, you know, this isn't a team that's one hire or one man or one, one anything away from uh, jumping back to the heights that, that people expect and want. Um, in, in terms of how he personally is going to act, I, I think we – already have a pretty good indicator uh, of the kind of worker he is, the, the thoroughness, the, the organization, and the intention that he works with uh, based on the fact that he's not even officially on board yet. He's not even officially uh, hired as president of basketball operations uh, or not president, uh, vice, executive vice president of basketball operations for the Bulls. And he's already, by all accounts, begun making moves, begun targeting candidates for uh, general manager, they've already are reported to be near an agreement to hire an assistant general manager and J.J. Polk from, from New Orleans. Um, so, so those things are all indicators that he comes in with a vision, with a plan. He knows how to execute it. Uh, and more importantly, to, to, the, to the point that, that uh, my colleague Will Perdue was making in, in that bite you played before I came on, um, this is his show. Uh, so th- those are all positive things that I think Bulls fans can take away from even, you know, you could look back at his past history and be encouraged, but even since he's been brought on board, uh, there, there are things to be optimistic about. We're talking with Rob Schaefer, NBC sports, And he's on the Bulls talk podcast. And we're talking about the Bulls big move. Uh, he seems, he seems well suited to work for a Bulls because he's never his, his time in Houston, his time in Denver, it wasn't. They never got the big, big name free agent. They never got the biggest free agent out there, the one that can turn around a franchise. 
He's been part of teams that became competitive through trades, through smart drafting. But not mm-hmm. how did the Bulls turn that? Is he capable of being the guy turning this around when recently, uh, two months ago, Teddy Greenstein wrote a story in the Tribune where Kevin Garnett said that one of the reasons the Bulls weren't getting that guy, that big name, the biggest of big free agents, is because Michael Jordan didn't get a piece of the team when he was done. And they said, if the GOAT can't get a piece of the team, why do I want to go there? I don't know if the new guy is able to overcome that. If he is, how do you see this happening, Rob? Yeah, so I, I think one one thing Denver people will point to uh, is that one of his first moves when he was promoted to general manager of the Nuggets was to sign Paul Millsap, which, you know, in the in the context of the Chicago Bulls history, probably doesn't seem like a marquee guy, but that that is a free agent that is above the stratosphere that, that the Denver market has typically operated in. He was a big get at the time, so, so I think that's a notch in his belt. Uh, I think from the Bulls' perspective, a prevailing sentiment from when you when you read about him, when you talk to people about him, uh, all of the above is that he's such a, gr- a compelling salesman and communicator, and he will he he is so prepared to build out this front office, um, you know, make the necessary changes and, and implement the necessary things at every layer of the organization. That he he's a trustworthy person to turn the culture around, which I think is a lot of where the negative, uh, you know, perceived negative perception of the Bulls league wide. Uh, at this point, comes from um, and the the sentiment that I've heard, and I think uh, Daryl Morey, who Carnish of us uh, worked under in Houston, I think he said this to he said it somewhere on 670 yesterday. It might have been McNeil and Parkins, um, but correct me if I'm wrong. That uh, he he really believed in working with Carnish of us and watching him grow and, and work his way up through multiple modern front offices and with his player background uh, over the years that he is someone that with the big market resources of a Chicago um, is going to be able to sell free agents that not only are they valued here, but that they step into an organization that has a cohesive long-term plan uh, to compete down the road, which frankly is not something that I I think many of us could say about the way the Bulls have operated really since um, the Derrick Rose era kind of crashed and burned. Hey, Rob, and you are correct, by the way, that was on with uh, McNeil and Parkins yesterday. Yeah. Um, is there uh, any any scenario under which you see Jim Boylan returning as a head coach of the Bulls? Uh, I think there is a scenario. Um, I, I think a lot of no! people have been quick. <laughs> I think I think I'll, 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 I'll double back on that. But I, I do think a lot of people have been quick to cast Jim aside, and I think there's good reason for that. This is a results business, and the results have not been there. Uh, and even if you look at the, the subtle things, the, the regression of Larry Markkinen, um, the little things that kind of tick people off, the late game timeouts and things like that, there's, there's a lot working against him. Um, additionally, with the, um, the, uh, the norm around the league is that when you bring in a new you know, top dog in a front office, they like to start fresh with their own coach. Um, the, the considerations that I think hypothetically could lead him coming back are obviously still two years left on his current contract. We can quibble about whether that three-year extension uh, at the before this season was prudent. Uh, a lot of people would say no, um, but the Bulls are still paying Fred Hoiberg from when they uh, fired him in November 2018. I think those are things that could lead um, to that. And, and moreover, I, I don't know Arturis, and I haven't talked to him, um, but it, 
in everything you read about him and talking to people that know him, I, I think I said this earlier, he's very thorough, he's very organized, and he's very um, collaborative and inclusive as, as a worker is what it seems like. So it would surprise me if he walked in and kind of took one look at Jim Boylan and said, you're gone. I think my sense is that he'll do a lot of talking throughout the organization. He'll probably talk to Jim, talk to players, talk to people in the front office, and kind of get the most well-rounded, informed opinion on him as he can before before reaching that decision. Um, but at the same time, I think a lot of people, uh, especially in the fan base, you know, have their minds made up on Jim, and, and that's fair and valid. Um, I, I think that's an important decision to make quickly for the same reasons that it was important to bring Karnishavis on so quickly so that, so that the new, if there is a new coach, can get kind of the lay of the roster, the lay of the organization, uh, while the NBA is basically on hold. Um, but I, I would not expect that, that decision to be made rashly. Um, and I, I definitely would expect the rest of this front office. There's so many different names out there. There are so many different positions that need filling in the front office that I would expect all of that stuff to resolve uh before we get to that decision that being said i could hop off the phone with you guys and he could be gone you know today so i you know (laughs) what do i know but um just the the educated informed guess on it is that it's something that he will take seriously uh and not make a, a rash decision about okay well if there's the chance that you can get off the phone with us and he'll be fired then i want to say thank you for joining us and uh and being part of it because uh i um I don't know why he hasn't. If they can agree in principle with J.J. Polk, I don't know why they can't agree in principle to get get rid of Jim Boylan. One of the things that made uh, Showtime's Karnashovas' uh, help make his career was the Doug McDermott, the rights to Doug McDermott and mm-hmm. Gary Harris and Yusuf Nurkic. So does it hamstring him that he won't have guard packs to sucker into any more deals? <laughs> Well, that's I, that's been talked about, right? As the as the the first uh, the first point in his case to the Bulls was that trade all those years ago. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, he he comes with a reputation uh, as a pretty as pretty prudent on the trade market and having uh, connections with uh, execs all around the league. So I, I think that's when we when we talk about this core uh, with the Bulls and the pieces that they do have, I, I think there are intriguing ones. I, I don't think anyone would argue that there's talent on this team you know is it miscast has it been misused those are other conversations but um yeah he certainly would i i think it's fair to say that carnage wouldn't have come uh, and taken this job if a he didn't know that he was going to get the keys to the keys to the um to the show immediately and if he didn't think that there were intriguing pieces to work with here so uh it, obviously you know we could get into a salary cap conversation the bulls are pretty locked into the roster that they have now Assuming Otto Porter opts into his player option, I think that's pretty much a foregone conclusion. Um, but yeah, he'll have his chance to to bargain, hopefully from a from a position of power with a lot of these guys as he starts making roster decisions. And his track record, other than swapping, Don, I've said this a couple times now on record. I feel kind of bad about it, but other than swapping Donovan Mitchell for you know Trey Lyles and Tyler Lydon back in the day, back in the 2017 draft, his his draft record and his trading record is uh, pretty pristine. So that's a great thing. You know, you mentioned the the fact that Karnaschovas would, it, it, it would appear in theory, he's getting the, the keys to the car as, as you put <clears> it. <throat> Does John Paxson, would that work in an, do you think that that would work in an advisory role at this point? Is, is that, is that manageable? Uh, you know, everything that I hear about Arturis is that 
uh, he has the communication and the management skills to to kind of make any kind of situation, however sticky it appears from an office politics perspective from the outside, it, it, he, he appears to be prepared to make anything like that work. Uh, I don't I don't see why it wouldn't until proven otherwise, especially because everything that's come out has said that uh, John Paxson will take however small or bigger role uh, as Karnishevis sees fit. Again, I think uh, the the speed and intention with which the Bulls have moved on these other front office roles is an indicator that that uh, is true. So I don't see why it wouldn't work. I think it honestly, given the uh, the cachet that Paxson obviously has within the organization to have stuck around for this long, uh, I don't think it can hurt to have him at Karnishevis's disposal if there comes a time when, okay, you got to talk uh, ownership into a decision or, hey, I need to know, you know, how to, uh, uh, how to communicate this to this person in this department or, you know, things like that. I don't see why it wouldn't. Um, I do know that the, the key thing or the thing that I can't say with confidence is the key thing is Karnishevis having uh, final say uh, on most of this stuff. And, yeah, the hope is that that is a promise that is kept. Rob, appreciate the time. Thank you for joining us. I'm sure we'll continue talking to you as as we'll celebrate when Jim Boylan gets fired, and then we'll go from there. Thanks, Rob. We yeah, appreciate th- it. Thanks, guys. All right. That's Rob Schaefer of NBCSportsChicago.com and the Bulls Talk podcast. We'll take a break. When we come back, we have a new segment, Mark. We have a new segment. It's called What, what Are we- You Doing, Wagner? That's what it's called. We'll explain it to you next after this. Saturday Suckage, Rosenblum and Grody, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. To Don. Watch out. Oh, oh what are you doing? He threw him out of the ballgame. you got to be paping me. What in the hell are you doing? What are you doing, Wagner? you got to be kidding me. That is so bad. That is absolutely brutal. That's incredible. That is unbelievable. I'll tell you what. They have got to start making guys be accountable. That is totally absurd. That just tells you he has blue. Here's an umpire in the American League knows nothing about the game of baseball. That's unbelievable. We have always had problems with this guy right here. <laughs> uh-huh. Every what time. What are you doing, Wagner? <laughs> Wagner! Wagner has no clue. <laughs> yep. So that's it's just the like way a we... ne- it's like such a nemesis. Uh, Wagner! I knew it! Yes. 
That would be a good movie nemesis. That would be that's, that's right. Almost Seinfeld, it's almost Seinfeldian. Yes. From Hello Newman to What are you doing, Wagner? Right. What where it's, are it's, you doing, Wagner? Like yeah, it's it. it's there's something um, semi playful about it, even though there's all sorts of authoritative hate involved in it as well. But there's something clownish and characterish about it too. Wagner, yes. I want to see you in my office right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. Maybe you say no, say no most. It's uh, or the Breakfast Club. Yeah, Bender. That's right. You, mess you just it. got you yourself mess. another Bender. You want to try another one? Yeah. You want to go for another one? I've got you for the yeah. rest of your natural born life, Bender. You mess with the bulls, you get the horns. That's right. Uh, that is what are you doing, Wagner? Is a segment we've just created because we wanted you. We wanted Mark to, we wanted everyone to share, what are you doing in this time of quarantine, in this time of isolation, in this time of not being able to do anything? So what are you doing? I'll give you an example. Some of the things the, the, that have been included in this, in this idea is Matthew McConaughey. You know Matthew McConaughey, right? Matthew McConaughey is... He does those uh, car commercials, right? Yeah, he's been known to. He's been hosting virtual bingo games for residents at a senior living home in Texas. That's what he's been doing. B5, all right, all right, all right. (laughs) In this case, they keep getting older and older. Older, right. Yeah, yeah, they do. (laughs) And I stay the same. All right, so what have you been doing, Mark? What have you been doing? What have yeah, you been doing, definitely, Wagner? What are you doing, Wagner? What we definitely invite people doing, to. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, stop playing that. Um, so, no. yeah, and we want everybody to join in on this too on the text lines at 6711. And if you want to share with us what you or something unique that you are doing that maybe you never did before, please uh, feel free to, to interact <laughs> with us again, 6711 or via the telly, 312 644 You can also find us on Twitter, um, Steve Rosenblum, Mark Grody. So, okay. Um, I actually, believe Wait, it or not, because I think I have, the, to, I have to make sure you know this, Mark. The first yeah. response when you gave out the text number. Now, people know the text zone, which is brought to you by Rosen Hyundai of Algonquin. Save time. Shop online at rosenhyundai.com. The first thing that came in was from the 815, and the text is, um, getting baked. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. Waking Bake Club is heard from. Now, what, what are, are you doing, you Wagner? What are you doing, Wagner? Um, okay. As... As you know, in the last five years, there was a new law that was enacted that says every American must at some point in time attempt their own podcast. So I, Steve, I have done it. I have started a podcast, a podcast which is co-authored and co-hosted and produced, quite frankly, by my good friend Brian Mitchell, whose voice you've probably heard in various commercials around the country. He is he used to be in Chicago. He was a prominent traffic reporter. Now he's a big voice guy in Minnesota and a commercial voice guy. So we're doing a podcast called Let Me Put a List Together, where we rank things about which we are passionate. Our first episode, for example, and there's only been one episode so far, was about Saturday Night Live, which is one of my passions and one of Mitchell's passions as well. And what we decided for this particular episode was to do our top 10 cast members of the 19 
90. So we both have our list. We constructed a list together as well in kind of a draft format. So there's like three different lists that you'll get, plus our analysis and deep dives on these characters. We're not just doing the obvious skits um, from these guys. We're going as deep as we possibly can. And then our next episode, we have just recently decided that we will actually record on Monday. Got to get back into the studio on Monday. It's going to be about the <laughs> about <laughs> about late night talk show hosts um you know your david letterman's going back to your johnny carson's arsenio halls the recent crop of guys like jimmy fallon and jimmy kimmel and you know the rest of the conan o'brien so we're going to do a rank and a deep dive on all those guys next so that's that's kind of what i've been up to uh, authoring a podcast which you can find by the way it's linked to my facebook page right now um it's on my linkedin page it's on my twitter page and i think it's on all the places you can find podcasts too like google um apple pandora all that good stuff so that's that's what i'm doing i'm finally a little bit late but i'm finally in the podcast game steve um, what's the, I do have one what's the name of it, you, Mark? Though. Tell people the oh, name it, of it. Yeah, I, did, I said it's it's called Let Me Put a List Together. That is the Just want to make that sure. is the working title. So we it's it's a very simple concept, and we we did that on purpose because there's no reason to overcomplicate things in life. It is called Let Me Put a List Together, and that's Steve. What I am doing, Wagner. What are you doing, Wagner? Here, I was wondering about. Do you use antiseptic wipes? Wipes. Right. Do you have those? You were able to get your hands on those? As um, I've only been able been? to. This is kind of funny. Quick little story. I was able to at one point in my time, uh, at one point in time, get a small um, box of those. But I've run out. But my good friend and your good friend, Dan Dorfman, came through for me and was able to give me half of his wipes in a large Ziploc bag. Thank you. Well, that's a friend. That's yep. a friend. All right. So let me ask you, because I've been. Here's what I was wondering. I spent time wondering about that. They're hard to find, at least for me. I don't really um, hard. Yeah. So, because markets are out of them, I tried a hardware store, didn't get delivery the day I went. But I was wondering now, because when you get some, suddenly there's a need. I find the need that you're going to need to not hoard them, but ration them out wisely. And the one thing I don't know is how many touch points. Can you wipe down effectively with one sheet? Oh, that's such a good question. And I'm thinking, and this is what I've been spending my time doing, which I, you know, craziness is cray cray is around the corner. It may already be here. Is can we get the guys at fan graphs on this since they have nothing to do? But how many touch points can you use one sheet, one antiseptic white on it, still have it be effective? And do you, how do you sanitize the hand sanitizer bottle? <laughs> You're laughing. Great, I'm was, serious. I need to know no, this. No, I, it's, so I've been it's wiping a, the I'm, hand sanitizer down with an antiseptic wipe, and then I don't know how many touch points I'm allowed because you got, like, you know, just go through your kitchen, right? You, you touch, you go, oh my God, I'm, where am I going to, the handles, got to do this. Oh, I don't always use the handle. I use the inside of the door. Got to, got to wipe that. Uh, turn on the lamp, uh, turn on this lamp, turn on that yep. lamp, get the light switch. How, when does it still make, when does it lose its effectiveness, its antiseptic effect? Do you know? I don't know. And, that, and that's good. Because then I always wondered too, like, okay, I've gone through all the things that you said. And it's like, 
it's like this this maze of things that you go through in your mind. All right, I did that, I did that, I did that. And then the last thing you do is you dry your hands. If you wash your hands, okay, wait, what about the cloth I just used? Does that cloth need to be changed every time? Am I, you know, am I putting bad things on there now? And I, it's a good, I don't right. know because at my grocery store, the one that I use the most, one of the things that they they do have wipes out for the public to take like you could take one sheet right unless you're a jerk then you you know you just take the one sheet and so when i get home with my groceries i always preserve that half sheet because you know you just rip them off at the perf mm-hmm. and i i wipe everything down yeah at the perf and i wipe everything down and i wondered the same thing because i use a half sheet to maybe wipe down seven or eight different items and um but i yeah i don't know what is its effectiveness is it that powerful to stay um it's a fair question steve guys i'm reading a, uh, a one of these cleaning wipes packages hold right on now. hold on hold on we're joining uh, dr fauci is joining us on the line <laughs> what i saw what i saw was that you I could swore. do it three times that's what i saw no go ahead S studs no i say i'm just reading the <laughs> Reading the disinfectant wipes um, casing here in the studio, and there's nothing about how many surfaces you can use it on. It's very informative, though. This, this, there's, there's yeah, a lot. Don't you I mean, need it to know how you. many touch points before you? I mean, if you, it has one one thing. Our one of our textures says just use it till it's dry. Well, that doesn't mean it's it's effective. It's good to the last drop. It might not be effective at all, and you and it it might be an you know, just a waste of time and not doing you what you doing anything good. But I would think that manufacturers, that scientists, that the guys at Fangraphs, since there's no war to compute, what's what are what's the what's the um, what's the VORP value over replacement wipe Bauer, I guess it would have to be. What do you do? How many times? You can read all you want, studs, but like you don't have an answer for us, do you? No, I don't. It's very informative, though. This, it's it's specific, in. specifically says do not use as a diaper wipe or for personal cleansing. This is not a baby wipe. <laughs> don't flush it. Right, I'll wipe. keep that in mind. Yeah, Just remember, don't use, don't use your disinfecting wipes as a baby wipe. Well, um, a few people are, are chiming in here, too, on 670.11 in our game here. What are you doing, Wagner? Um, it says here from the 847, it's not unique, but I've been watching Game of Thrones for the first time. It does not suck. Okay, that's cool. I, hey, man, I totally understand you, you fall behind on stuff or you get this stuff late. Um, good for you. I'm jealous, actually, that you're watching Game of Thrones for the first time. Oh, yeah. Strong. The books um, are way better. Are they? Oh, immensely better. Well, the, the show was pretty damn good, so those books must be... Really good. Um, from the 815, woodworking. Always wanted to try and get into it, so I'm starting at that. From the 847, I'm living in a van down by the river. Um, mm-hmm. Let's see. Uh, 630, de my stash and hoarding cheese whiz. Yeah. And you know what, by the way, you know what's gone on with that, the, the, the idea of hoarding? Do you, do you realize that as the, the essentially month-long stay at home, sit your ass down order has come down that, that our, the, the coronavirus has changed the chaos and the panic buying. Originally it was hand sanitizers and, and, and toilet paper, right? Soaps and disinfectants mm-hmm. and then toilet paper, maybe like week two. And then for whatever reason, according to CNN's business uh, site, 
spiral hams and baking yeast. More people were baking. The the bake, baking or bread machines were sold out on various websites. You couldn't get a bread making machine. And now we're at the point where hair clippers and hair dye sales of those are on the rise because nobody can get a haircut. I mean, you can't get styled. There's no salons open. And you're seeing more pink, purple, turquoise, people screwing with their hair colors just for something different. This is the phase that we're in now. I'm going to dye my hair green. <laughs> Now's That's, the time. You know, emerald was like I think seven, eight years ago. That was the Pantone color of the year. I've always thought about so doing it. So that's a it. good call. That's a good call, studs. I've always thought about doing it. It'll match my eyes perfectly. Kind of. And that's really what matters. It's it's match or blend, studs. That's, I mean, match or go counter. So that's really, that's good. That's uh, It's a way to accessorize your eyes with your hair. Let me see if um, you guys could follow this. I got a, a tweet from William D. on Twitter, at Mark Rody Sports. He says, the answer to Steve's question, and this is about how many times is a is a wipe, How many touch wipeable, points? I suppose. Yeah. How many touch points? Let's see if this answers it. The answer to Steve's question is a wipe has to wet the surface. If the surface fails to be wetted, it no longer is effective. To extend, I use Everclear in a spray bottle and treat outside of bottles of hand sanitizer. That makes sense? Right, right. You can use any any alcohol, 60%, 60% alcohol or more. Yeah, you can do that. I just, um, I, and you mix it with aloe and you really have a hand sanitizer, but sure. Yeah. And, um, I just and go we'll, straight to bleach. We'll go buy, go buy, go buy some top notch, like Everclear and you're, you're good to go. Or, or Malort. We talked about last week, Malort was making hand sanitizer. So that's right. Malort. All right. So we'll take a break. When we come back, we have, um, we have an interesting interview done on the score about the Bulls' new guy and somebody who knew him when he was when he was um, just just getting going. Someone who hired him out of the NBA office and and started him on his rise that has led to running the Bulls. And we will bring that to you after this. Thank you for joining us for our first round of What Are You Doing, Wagner? And maybe we'll see if we have time to do that again next hour. Maybe it'll be an hourly thing. We, um, we, I liked it. Just to be able to play that lead in. Just to be able to play that piece of tape from Hawk. We'll, uh, he's Mark Grody. I'm Steve Rosenblum. Chicago Sports Radio 670, The Score. Welcome and welcome back. Steve Rosenblum, Mark Grody with you. Chicago Sports Radio 670, The Score. Talking a lot about Arturis Karnaschovas, the Bulls' new Ubermacher, Bulls' executive vice president in charge of basketball operations, and uh, coming from the Denver Nuggets. Before that, the Houston Rockets. He was plucked from the NBA office by Daryl Morey, who is the uh, that guy in Houston, and this is where he learned, where Arturis learned a lot of what he's bringing to the Bulls' front office, and Maury was on was on the score with McNeil and Parkins earlier this week, and here's a piece of that. Arturis really, really great at his job. Uh, as you mentioned, we hired him out of the league office after a decorated playing career overseas where he was uh, 
a multi-time champion over there. And, you know, he just rose through our ranks so fast. And uh, we unfortunately uh, couldn't, uh, couldn't keep him in Houston because Denver had a big job for him. And, and now you guys have an even bigger job. And I think uh, Bulls fans are going to be thrilled. He's, he's built a team from, uh, you know, from uh, a non-contender to a contender in Denver. And I think he's got a very good chance to do that for you guys. What does he do best? You know, I actually learned a lot from him. He's a very smart basketball mind. Uh, as a former player, he's got a different perspective. But one thing I can tell you that he was on well before even myself is just how the league was going to evolve into being more of a skill game. Where one, di- I used to actually somewhat like one-dimensional guys, like guys who could like gather all the rebounds, like Rodman did for that, you know, those famous Bulls teams. And uh, Arturis was way ahead of the game saying, no, look, it's going to transition. All five positions are going to have to be skilled. And a lot of that comes from his background in Lithuania where, you know, their academy trains basketball players better than any place in the world, you could argue. They, They get them at a young age. They work on basketball skill at a young age. And he was uh, always on that trend, and it's just going to keep going. You said, I was reading an article in the Denver Post, uh, you said, I knew pretty early on when he got here that he was going to run a team someday. What did you see in Arturis early on that made you feel that way? Well, I think, as I mentioned, he's got great basketball mind. He also has great judgment. And then on top of all that, he's a great leader. So he's someone who, when I first got there, we didn't, uh, our international scouting was I thought a little bit behind other teams. He took it from where it was to, I think, one of the best in the league before he moved on to Denver. Uh, He actually had one of our best draft picks. Uh, He was instrumental in. We drafted a guy named Sergio Yul, who turned out to be, you know, the MVP of Europe. Uh, The problem is most players who are that good eventually come to the NBA, but uh, Sergio ended up, uh, at least so far, liking living in Madrid. It's a nice city. Uh, so we missed on him coming over, but uh, Arturis during his time here really advocated for him and would have been yet another one of his very good draft picks. I know he's been instrumental in so many great ones in uh, Denver as well. Daryl, tell us about his people skills, how he how he works with uh, with people, and in particular his ability to relate to the young athlete. Yeah, I, I think, again, uh, all else equal, if you're a former player, you're going to be a little better at that. And, uh, you know, I think he lives and breathes basketball. And I'm excited for you guys to get to know him better because he's, he's a great human being. He's, you know, he's frankly a much, much better communicator and, uh, you know, someone that uh, people just want to be around uh, than, than myself. And I think that's another real skill for him that will come to play in free agency. Uh, players are going to really want to work with him. What makes you say that? Can you like anecdotally? Why? Why? What makes you say that he's got those people skills that maybe you don't possess? I mean, I can only give one anecdote, which I think is which I think is interesting. When he first started working for us, I was walking down the streets of Barcelona, and I'm you know thankfully a nobody pretty much everywhere, but in Barcelona, and people were just coming up to me everywhere wanting to talk to Arturis. I had, I mean, he, he just was the most popular player on those Barcelona teams uh, in, a, in a city where really soccer rules the day. Uh, but he sort of transcended that and was 
as popular as these top soccer players uh, in uh, in the cities he was in. Uh, he just has a magnetic personality, uh, really patient, really listens, and then uh, very thoughtful and smart. We're talking to D- Daryl Morey, the general manager of the Houston Rockets. He hired Arturis Karnashovas, who's the new president of basketball operations for the Bulls. Uh, you and the Rockets are somewhat synonymous with analytics. How is Arturis with his player background in the analytics department? I think he's almost like the perfect combo you might want. Obviously, that's something where, you know, that expertise got me in the league. So that's always going to be something that, uh, you know, maybe differentiates myself. Obviously, Arturis, that's not his lead thing. But I can tell you that what he will do and what he did do for us is he understands it, he knows who to hire, he knows when to use it, when not to use it. Uh, He's very thoughtful about it. Um, And I think over his time uh, with us and then with Denver, who is also a very advanced team, really run well by by Tim there, um, you know, he's able to take that information, contextualize it, and then make great decisions with it. And I think that's, that's where you'll see his strength. In terms of you mentioned relating to players, you know it's been it's been second tier free agents for Chicago for a long, long time. You have had a tremendous amount of success in acquiring superstar players. Uh, what is the key in your mind to attracting marquee tier one talent to choose you in the modern NBA? Well, I think step one you have, which is a great city. I obviously lived in Chicago for many years, and my parents still live there, and my brother still lives there, actually. So so you've got a top city, and, and you've got a great uh, historic franchise you know, reputation. Uh, reminds me, when I first came to the league, I came to the Celtics in, in 2002 when they had gone through a bunch of down years. And I remember us talking, and, and Danny Ainge was the leader there, obviously, saying, like, there's no reason we can't get this back. And Danny obviously went on to prove that. I see similar things in Chicago. You've got the city. And really what top free agents want to feel is that they're part of a bigger thing and part of a plan that they believe in. And I think uh, I think our tourist is going to be someone, they're going to believe in the plan that he pitches to them. And he's already shown it with his track record at Denver uh, and in Houston. Daryl, you know, when you grow up in the Midwest like you did and like we did near Chicago, um, you you sort of become immune to the weather. You just it's just part of it. But I I continue to hear people suggest that's a negative uh, with the Bulls in being able to to recruit the best free agents. Do you believe that? I think all else equal players do like warmer, but not when you're talking about an iconic city like Chicago. I mean, I really honestly hate your team. I grew up in Cleveland, and you guys eliminated my Cavaliers when I was growing up pretty much every year, so that was uh-huh. that was fun. But uh, So I'm not a big fan of the franchise, <laughs> just me personally. But the reality is, like, the you know, you know, when you're talking about iconic franchises in the East, I mean, you're talking Celtics, you're talking Bulls, Right, you're talking Knicks, although they've been down for a while, and you're talking Sixers. I mean, those are the ones that immediately come to my mind, and uh, you know, those are the those are the teams that uh, you know have a reputation that players are going to respect. Do you remember where you were when Jordan hit the shot over Elo? Absolutely, I was at home. I had actually never been to an NBA game. 
uh, you know, mostly, you know, for reasons I don't really know. <laughs> like, we, we, you know, it was pretty expensive back then, so I didn't go when I was a kid. But I did watch on TV, and I listened to, to Joe Tate on the radio and, and those guys. And, and I was watching on TV, and, you know, and I, I thought we had won it because people forget Elo made uh, – Lenny Wilkins drew up a great play, and Elo scored on a, on a play right before uh, Jordan hit that shot. Uh, and, you know, it, it, my, my sports growing up in Cleveland weren't great because I, I thought Biner was going to score, but he fumbled at the goal line. I thought we were going to win when Elo made the shot, but then Jordan obviously had, you know, maybe, maybe the most famous shot of his career uh, in the next few seconds. So you're like one of the only people not looking forward to the Last Dance documentary that ESPN moved up for everybody? Oh, it's so funny. Yeah, people are saying that. I'm like, that's, I literally have, like, someone couldn't pay me. To, it would actually take a significant amount of money for someone to pay me to watch that, unless there's a little vignette on the Cleveland teams at the time, and then I'll watch that part. But, but uh, I'd be surprised. No, I, I, in, my, in my head... You know, I'll just tell you my evolution of watching those Bulls teams. and just show I was pretty young at the time. And I was like, we have this great team. We got Mark Price. We got Darty, We got Nance. We got Hot Rod Williams. We got you know, Ron Harper, you know, who later went there. I'm like, we have this team, and we're just losing to one guy. And then over time, I had to, like, as I understood basketball better, I was like, you know what, Scotty Pippen's pretty darn good. And Bill Cartwright, you know, Darty never sees the score against him, and Mm-hmm. Rod, you know, and Robin, uh, uh, Grant seems to get every rebound. So over time, I came to respect that team staff. Joe Mori, we uh, reliving bad days in Cleveland, talking about the what he believes would be good times ahead for the Bulls. He hired Arturis Karnaschovas in Houston, where he, where Daryl Mori runs the show for the Rockets and. Um, we are expecting maybe today, maybe tomorrow, sometime soon, the official presentation of the Bulls' new executive vice president in charge of basketball operations. That was McNeil and Daryl Morey with McNeil and Parkins, a really good interview and ventured off into his Cleveland roots. And there's a lot of pain there. Daryl Morey's <laughs> endured a lot of pain. So speaking of pain, we're going to talk about the Bears next. And the Bears are going to draft, and Ryan Pace is going to make some offensive selections, and everyone's just going to throw up in their mouths a little bit. We will talk to Eric Edholm of Yahoo Sports about the Bears, Matt Nagy talking about evaluating his scheme, and we'll evaluate Ryan Pace and see when his first mistake in the draft will be. Rosenblum and Grody, Saturday Suckage, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 